through the pandemic, actually, I made a huge decision to completely leave e-com behind and build more of an insights company. And that's where the data comes in. And what I'm finding is that everybody needs data and everyone needs better marketing targeting. And I had a really interesting couple of months calling market research companies and advertising agencies, and they're all struggling. They're all in the dark. And some of them, just to give you a sense, Durex, I have an investor who grew Durex to be the number one sexual wellness brand. They sold 30 billion condoms, just really one of the few unicorns by in our category. Mm-hmm. And he looked at my company and he said, yo, like this is a data company. And I was like, really? <laughs> I, I, you know, again, we never, we've, we've always been oh. super private. We don't, we don't have, we had nothing. We were just educating people, but it's about what we know and how we can help brands like Durex learn about consumers, not in a creepy Facebook Cambridge Analytica way, because that's mm-hmm. so not even what, what we're talking about here, but literally like they have questions that they don't have answers to. Like how do gay men buy condoms differently than straight men? Let's take that basic question. Yeah. You would think Durex would know the answer to that. They don't. And we now are creating ways for companies to get the answers to those questions fast, efficiently, and wrap it in education for both the the impact that's needed. Because again, it's not just about selling more condoms. It's we need to educate consumers about these products. And that's why I think being an educational brand, we can really, you know, put our best foot forward. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Andrea Berica, the founder and CEO of O School. O School is a judgment free multimedia platform for sexual wellness. Andrea is building a future with less sexual shame and judgment and more permission to build sexual wellness, whatever that means for each person. O School believes that every human being on this planet deserves comprehensive education about sex, pleasure, and relationships. Andrea is a serial entrepreneur, investor, contributor to the New York Times and Forbes, and the author of a book entitled Sex Tech Revolution, The Future of Sexual Wellness. In our interview, you'll hear how she was raised in a religious, conservative, first-generation Filipino-American family that only taught abstinence. Struggling with her own sexuality and the shameful messages she received about sex and the importance of virginity, she couldn't find reliable resources online. She became obsessed with the question, what exists between Planned Parenthood and porn. In this interview, we also deep dive into customer acquisition and the women's health space. If you read the Femtech Focus's report we published this summer, still available on our website, femtechfocus.org, you would have seen that one of the four biggest challenges facing Femtech startups today is media censorship of our products and marketing platforms. Andrea and I deep dive into some key metrics on marketing, research, and sales in the women's health space. I had such a great time interviewing her. Check out the platform, O School, that's O.School, and enjoy the episode. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Brittany, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so I have actually been a fan, uh, a femme fan of yours, a big, I was going to say fan girl, femme fan of yours for a long time, because you were a speaker at the Women in Tech Festival uh, years ago in California, when I was still a founder of my previous startup. And you talked about sex ed and the clitoris, and you had these 3D printed clitorises that you were handing out. And I was like, she's my hero. Like this is the <laughs> coolest thing. And that clitoris comes with me everywhere. I still have it. That makes me so happy. And yes, we have an army of clits, hopefully educating in all corners of the world. And yeah, I've been so excited um, to chat with you. I love that I love how many more people are in the space now than when I started yeah. five, six years ago. Back then it was just like a few breast pumps and like there's a couple of us. And now I feel like it's it's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your journey because you are, you know, have been in it for a while. So we'll see, you know, maybe you have some perspective on how it's changing and maybe some trends for what we can expect next potentially. So let's kick off with your background. Our listeners love to learn more about our guests in terms of where they're from. Where did, did they go to school? Like if you went, where did you study? Did you have a career before this? Or have you just always been obsessed with clitorises? You know, like how, tell us about that. No, absolutely not. Uh, I actually studied <laughs> linguistics at Berkeley and I had literally no interest or exposure to business, technology, entrepreneurship, sexual wellness, like none of those things were on my my radar. I planned to go to China and be uh, in the State Department or be in linguistics, actually. And I was dealing oh. like, yeah, I was even working on like language revitalization with Native American endangered languages. And uh, it all came, it all changed one day when I got a call from my freshman roommate. And she was like, yo, I just got into Y Combinator. I'm starting an accounting software. And I'm like, oh, congratulations, babe. I'm so happy for you. And she was like, no, I need you to move to Mountain View. Like your, your plan to move to China is not the biz, like it's not the thing. Like you need to come and co-found this, like be my number two in this accounting software. I didn't have an accounting background, a business background, a tech background. I was like, why are you calling me? But she was really adamant that it had to be me. She trusted me. And I just took a risk and really two things I always tell women, other women that I am where I am because another woman dreamed bigger for me than I dreamed for myself. And two, that's what got me to go. I was like, wow, like my friend, she's, we were 20, you know, and we were partnered with a 19 year old. None of us had accounting degrees. None of, you know, it was two computer scientists and a linguist and, you know, we were building accounting software. So we raised money, it died. Then we brought it back alive. And, and the, the company I started, the accounting software is actually still growing. It has hundreds of employees worldwide and it's a, one of the leading, yeah. One of the leading providers of like, it was like a mint.com for business back in 2010 when it started. Whoa. So I've been in tech for 11 years. Um, after that, I knew I didn't want to grow accounting software. I got it to the first like couple million bucks in recurring revenue. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? I had helped my friend, you know, I helped, I helped my friend. And then I, I went on and I got tapped to be in venture capital, which was another brand new world for me. So oh, I'd, gone, I'd gone from, you know, running accounting software to then being able to invest in companies through an accelerator program called 500 startups, which is a global seed fund. And I got to see the other side of the table helped entrepreneurs, helped founders raise money, helped with pitching, helped, you know, 
select companies to invest in. It was a wild ride, got to travel all the world. And it was really there that the femtech, sex tech mm-hmm. inspiration started because one, I was personally going through a huge life change. I was coming out of the closet. I was leaving a marriage. I married young. I grew up Filipino American. Mm-hmm. And so it was like no sex was discussed. And mm-hmm. I was in deep, like I was going through some deep stuff. And, and of course, you know, I'm working in technology. I'm working on internet companies. I was starting to look into this field, starting actually on the investment side. And so I was actually looking at what companies I could invest in. And back then it was like Crave, OMG, yes. It was just a couple people, you yeah. know, um, you had like really just early signs of femtech getting about, I think in 2016, um, mm-hmm. when I was still at the fund, a uh, billion dollars, that was the big headline, had it been invested in femtech by 2016 by CB Insights, right? And, but when I was starting to get into pleasure and sex ed, you know, my fund was the first to be like, we can't invest in this. There's LP agreement problems. Like that's kind of where I got started. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, to support entrepreneurs and it, it really consumed me because I was starting to get obsessed, work on the weekends, on side projects in sexual wellness with people. And finally the fund was like, yo, and they gave me my first round of funding. So that's how O School started in 2016. We went through so many iterations. Like I'm happy to go into the journey for you. But yeah, I've I've really seen it become um, the reactions back then where no one's gonna invest in this. This is not an investable category. Like go talk to the cannabis people, go talk to the vice people, which was ridiculous because as you and I both know, it's closer to mental health and you know, mm-hmm. yoga startups and therapy startups than it is a cannabis company. There are definite advertising challenges and payments challenges that are similar, but in the heart of it, you know, it were really health companies. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Such a fun journey. It kind of reminds me of my own where I was working for a venture fund in Texas. And that's when I really discovered whenever there was a women's health startup that came across my desk, I was like, wait, what are you innovating on? This doesn't have any solutions yet. And I was just like, what am I doing mentoring any of these other oil and gas companies? <laughs> like women's health needs all of my attention all the time. Um, and so, uh, you know, very quickly became that woman. Sounds like you became that person too at 500 startups. Like whenever a, a sex tech or femtech deal kind of came up, everyone thought about you, huh? Well, I mean, back then it was, it was so, it seemed avant-garde. We know now it's not, and <laughs> yeah. everyone, it's, yeah. it's funny how, and I had, I had very well-known regarded VCs, mostly men, but also women just be mm-hmm. very negative on the space. And mm-hmm. um, that I, I, you know, sometimes I think people assume that it, it's not that way, but many, if, I think across the board, there's just so much shame around specifically where O School wanted to go. Like um, we, today are a trusted science-based place to get education about sexual wellness online. Um, And it was so funny throughout the journey. It was mostly, you know, women who would say, just focus on contraception and birth control, all of the like menstruation stuff, like stop talking about orgasms. Like, but that's Um, the part that was missing. You're like, no, no, no. It's, (laughs) is that why it's called O school? Is the O for orgasm? Yeah, I actually love that people, a lot of people don't know or don't realize that, oh, it's orgasm. For a lot of people, it's like, oh, it's like a realization. And I think sexuality is more about agency and self-awareness than it is about orgasms. But I love that it also stands for orgasms. Yes. I mean, it's like such a catch-22 where it's like we need, women deserve more orgasms. We need to talk about orgasms more. And at the same time, 
sex isn't just about orgasms. It's about self-exploration. It's about intimacy. It's about just like touch and sensation. And so sometimes I, I know I personally get too caught up in the like, I need to have orgasms, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no, it's just about being present and happy and feeling good, right? So it's kind of interesting. Well, tell our listeners, they're like on the edge of their seat. They're like, what the heck is O School? So you're, uh, you're you know, this platform for sexual education. Did Is that what you always thought it was going to be? Can you take us through a few of the iterations of what it was? When it launched, uh, when we were in, tw- it was 2017. And I had this thesis around, wow, people really want this type of education. And there's a lot of creator platforms. Patreon wasn't supportive or was just starting out really, but it wasn't support- super supportive. Twitch was big. And so actually O School started with live streaming. And we had, we had hundreds of classes live happening on the platform when we had to build around it because back then Facebook live would turn you off and stuff. So it was really, it was a really hard technical thing. It didn't work for a lot of reasons, mostly the economics. Like what I really learned during that journey is just how much more education people need before they're even ready to get to a class. And that's really led to where O School is today. Um, from that journey, however, we started ranking for things that we didn't, we weren't trying to rank in Google for stuff. We weren't a content business then, but we kind of woke up one day and we were getting all this traffic randomly. And some of my team was like, uh, we rank number two in all of Google for pussy. And I was like, what, why? And we ended up finding out that you know, Google doesn't want to show people porn, right? There's a lot of reasons for it. But in general, Mm -hmm. when you search, Google doesn't want to show you porn, but there weren't a lot of things in the middle of Planned Parenthood, WebMD, Mayo Clinic, these types of medical websites who have the best SEO, right? You're not going to beat Mayo Clinic in like a pure health space, Mm -hmm. but there's a massive gap between the Mayo Clinics of the world and porn, right? Which is also massive traffic, massive And what we basically found was, oh, we take a science-based approach, which Google likes, but we say words that Mayo Clinic and WebMD can't say like blowjob and pussy. Like we were saying these words. And so that was in general what what we really found uh, that we never ever published a nude image or an arousing image on our site, but there was so much education needed. And that's one of the things we challenged that sex education doesn't have to be sexy. It can be, and for sure it, it does sometimes. Uh, that's a good approach people take. But for us, we know that a lot of people have a lot of discomfort and awkwardness and shame around the topic. And so there's a lot of things happening online that that's currently um, how people know us. We serve millions of people globally, over hundred countries with questions they have around specifically areas of pleasure, gender exploration, um, but definitely not going beyond like what birth control should I use or what, how should my period, you know, what should I expect on my period? We have brands like Clue for that. We have brands, Mm -hmm. you know, like really great brands out in the market around fertility and reproduction. And these are not surprisingly where venture capital has felt comfortable to go, whereas it hasn't touched the areas of, you know, how do I touch myself in a way that feels good? And by the way, like, I agree with you. We always say at O School, we're not just for people who want to have all the sex, kinky sex. We're for asexual people. 1% of all people identify as asexual and they have questions about sex too. And we serve people across the spectrum with a lot of different lived experiences. And it's really just about talking, telling them in a science-based and judgment-free way, here's mm-hmm. the information you need. So that's that's a big part of our business. And now we're really excited to launch um, the other side, which is consumer insights for businesses, because we're finding that 
customer acquisition is what every single sexual wellness and femtech company struggles with. And that's, I think, where the biggest opportunity is in the space um, that we're really going after. And I'm happy to talk more about how we're doing yeah. that. So excited. All right. A few questions before we talk about uh, customer acquisition, because I would think that topic is going to be really, really well received on the show. Um, first, so you were ranking high for the word pussy. Is it because people were asking, like, how do I touch my pussy? Because they didn't weren't using vagina or vulva or clitoris. Right. So fun and fun fact, we no longer um, tried to have it because the search you always with, with SEO, people try to get all like sneaky but at the end of the day the core of a search is the intent of the user there's nothing magical about it but when people are searching pussy specifically they're looking for porn so old school oh. old thing. so we let that go we oh, we just okay. accidentally started oh, okay. <laughs> ranking for it but to, to maintain a ranking there's a lot of work that goes into so right now we're number one in google for how to make a girl wet that's oh, a really good one for us because cool. how to make a girl wet why does my clit hurt we have certain things that we really do better than others and mm-hmm. those are the ones where it's more on the pleasure case mayo clinic like for example we would we we aren't trying to go after like how do i diagnose my bacterial yeah. vaginosis like yeah. mayo yeah. clinic's gonna that's the right thing to go to yeah. you need to go to the mayo <laughs> yeah. clinic for that right yeah. well you need to the things that mayo clinic they don't have a stance there's not an acoc american college of gynecology diagnosis for why can't i come and that's where we like uh, to strike does that make sense yeah. so everything's yeah. about intent so um, we, we rank for the words, but we, we don't typically like tr- you, we got fancy. Like, I think we ranked for yes, porn, please, which was a title of one of our articles, but it's actually a brand of porn. And so when we let those go, once we have them, yeah. because yeah. no matter what, we're not going to beat the intent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And your um, most of your, you know, visitors to your site, um, are they women? Are they men? Are they trans? Like, is there a specific customer that most often uses those school? we've always been even, even if we were centering women and gender diverse people, it was always like a huge array. I think it's one of the challenges and the benefits of O School. Um, we have people coming to us of literally, we're an 18 up platform and we go up, like we've had people talk to us and visit us who are 85. And again, it's global. Uh, and we've always thought, felt it was important. And I mean, we expanded past women and gender diverse people pretty much right away because we found that two things, one, conservative women were not interested in things that were just for women. I think I explain this to people all the time that people think like, oh, the, the femtech revolution is coming for women, but you leave out a lot of women when you center women because a lot of women don't like that. They're like, stop. I want, it to, I want something that's for everyone. And so when we opened up to men, we actually opened up to different kinds of women. Interesting. Which is one. I think it's an assumption. I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm going to say it, like a lot of femtech founders, they tend, we tend to be like super progressive and woke and they think that everyone's going to be there, but that's not the case. And when you meet people where they are, you know, you, for example, um, I talked to a lot of people about their content strategy and they're writing all these articles about like, you matter, your orgasm matters, your masturbation matters. But when you talk to it, you know, it's like just take a random sample of women, they are really not there yet. A lot of them are like, I just don't want to get divorced. So like, I trying to like make my husband happy, but no one wants to write like that article. Cosmopolitan has been writing those articles for a long time, but yet it's like that gap is where people are and where you're going to lead them. And hmm. that's why we, we always also included men. The second reason is, you know, there's a lot of straight women in the world. Our team initially were all queer. We were all queer women, like the whole team. Like I'm a queer woman of color. I had like two other queer women. And yeah. it was like, oh, 
oh, they, they really want to read about blowjobs. We got to like diversify and get some straight <laughs> people up in here, you know? Yeah. And um, that's like a funny story, but it's, it's, it's also kind of important to include men because if you're going after women, you want to include the things that women want to read about. And guess what? Women want to read about men a lot. Yeah. And so yeah. it's naturally done that. And I think like, yeah, we, we constantly look at our numbers and it's almost always like pretty evenly women, men, and then gender diverse people. I wish Google analytics had a better you know, way of tracking that. We internally know we have a, a, a pretty like significant LGBTQ audience that visits, but sadly the, the analytics platforms are still pretty binary. And now a quick word from our sponsors. As we've talked about many times on the show before, we need more femtech entrepreneurs improving women's health and wellness across every category, especially sex. I've made some new friends over at Dame Products who are doing just that. Dame Products is a women-owned sex toy company making the next generation of vulva-tested, vulva-approved vibrators. Founded by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops toys with the help of real humans and couples like you, listeners. Their vibrators and accessories are made with medical-grade silicone, smart design principles, and lots of love, earning glowing press from New York Times, W Magazine, and many more, including me. I recently purchased Dame's Partners Optional Bundle, which includes the Eva and the Arc vibrators, plus Alu Lube. I used to sell sex toys in college and have never seen a design like theirs. The Eva has these small little wings that tuck under the labia for a hands-free experience. Also, their lube bottle comes with a grip slip. Think about the functionality, folks. I love it. Whether you're a couple looking for an extra boost or on a journey of self-exploration, I'm sure they'll earn a spot on your nightstand. Visit dameproducts.com backslash femtechfocus for 15% off the site. This is a hell of a deal, y'all. Go to dameproducts.com backslash femtechfocus for 15% off and see what they can bring to your bedroom and beyond. And now back to the interview. Yeah. Well, speaking of analytics, I think that one of the most exciting things about you, your company, and why I wanted to have this interview so badly was you are just this data machine for sexual wellness. And we're going to talk about CAC, cost to acquire a customer. So if you hear us talking about um, uh, acquisition costs, it's essentially how much do you need to spend in marketing dollars, usually via you know advertisements, um, in order to get a customer, right? And so um, tell us what is, you know, the acquisition situation right now in the sex tech space and femtech as well. Customer acquisition is the biggest barrier. I think people focus a lot on like, we can't get funding. Mm -hmm. And what I usually tell people is if you just gave a random e-commerce, let's say brand $5 million of capital, how would they spend it? How would they make their next that that's actually the bigger barrier. If they if if sexual wellness, femtech, sex tech had better customer acquisition channels, it that precedes funding. So I, I think that it's actually the number one problem. It's not, I mean, there's definitely some risk capital that's needed to get off the ground, mm-hmm. but the reality today, it is extremely hard to sustainably and efficiently spend an ad dollar. So what do I mean by that? 
even if you are allowed on Facebook and Google, like one of my kind of unpopular opinions is that's not the, that's not the, the holy grail. It's a super important channel in the beginning, more for the learning and the data. Mm-hmm. Um, O-School never really sold products. We've done experiments, but we never, that was never a big part. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to use Facebook mostly to learn, to drive traffic, to really get a sense of why people are clicking and what at like really good costs. But if you're trying to sell something, Mm-hmm. on the internet today in femtech or sex tech you are competing at a very expensive you know arena meaning to buy a click to buy a lead to buy an email to target the women that you need on these platforms instagram facebook all these types of places it's expensive and then the other problem everyone's at the bottom funnel so what that means is for example everyone wants to be on that glamour or vogue piece like what vibrator should i buy uh, but if you look at all the customers in the world they're much higher so the, the the way i'll explain this is when glossier does everyone i don't know if people know yeah. but most people know glossier the brand famous makeup brand mm-hmm. glossier started with content but they didn't have to write like what is lipstick or where is my lips? Like, what does it, what do like, you know, yeah. how what do I lips? use my lips? Like they didn't have to spend a lot of content on that. Yeah. But when you're a sexual wellness company, the sexual education of the world is so limited that suddenly every product company has to spend money yeah. to educate. And that's so much of same. femtech has to do that. The burden of educating the customers on the founder and femtech. And it's expensive yeah. and the ROI yeah. sucks. And so yeah. what typically happens is, and frankly, so many sexual wellness and femtech companies have to build O school, a mini one inside their company. I yeah. have spent millions of dollars just trying to get top funnel acquisition correct and the one to think that an e-com company has to do all of that it's so hard to make the math work at the end of the day then you add on that vibrators is just like vibrators a category great category great margin but the repeat so everything's about the product line too and so when you think about acquisition you you the things that you do to acquire the customer may be different than the things that you do to retain them to you know to upsell them and so what i find is a lot of sexual wellness companies are one there's just like i said competition cost of a lead cost of a click they're losing money sometimes to sell their product. That's really hard um, because the things that work long-term search, content, influencer, community building, awesome channels. They take a long time, a lot of investment. So what, so what I find is the channels that are available to you that you can make a sale right now, expensive. So what it's the more short-term, the more predictable, the more expensive the target. Whereas the things that are long-term cheaper build a competitive advantage take a lot of upfront investment. And so it's a chicken or the egg problem in a big way here um, that I find is happening in especially the acquisition side. And just to give, just put real numbers on that, I know some of the best agencies that some of the brands that we all know of use and, you know, in makeup 3X ROAS, ROAS is return on ad spend. So you typically you know, you think of the success rate of a marketing team based on like what ROAS are getting. That's one of the things you can do to, to judge like how successful it is. And in beauty and other places, you can, you can boast 3X ROAS. So I can spend, you know, I will get three times return on investment on every dollar I spend on ad spend. Mm-hmm. And the best I have seen in our category is like two 
And most people are happy with 1.5, 1.7 X ROAS. And that means that you have to spend more to make a dollar. And that like a lot of investors don't want to invest in that. It's a really mm-hmm. complicated problem. Yeah. And I mean, that's the best of the best, right? Like that's you're, you're funded and you can hire these amazing marketing people and you have all this data, like, and that's when you, you know, for every dollar you spend, you can get a dollar 50 back. Um, that's crazy. And let's like, just talk about how it gets worse. Our space, no matter how great a vibrator lube product you use, it's different, right? Femtech maybe doesn't have this problem. Like breast pumps, for example, probably would have less of this, but still probably a little bit. The issue is the lack of word of mouth. So usually like if you were Rothy's or Glossier, Glossier, Rothy's, these, these brands, these direct to consumer brands got all this VC funding, but every dollar they spent in marketing, they got another few sales from word of mouth, but you don't get that. We have a category that you also don't get the benefit. And so when VCs ask me, oh, why are there no unicorns in sexual wellness? This is the number one reason is every ad dollar spent, it stays. It doesn't matter how good your product is. You can make the best product in the category, but you're not going to suddenly overcome the stigma factor. So what do we do? Do you have any solutions or advice? Like... (laughs) It's tough, right? I I, uh, talk to a lot of people and the things that I usually have to say frustrate them because like I said, the really long-term strategies require a lot of investment upfront and you do not see, like I've been doing search stuff for a long time and it it takes a while. You can't just snap your fingers and start generating that organic search. And then you have issues where you may nail it on content. This happens a lot, but does it actually convert to the product? Mm-hmm. Great example, not in our category, is Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club, super funded unicorn company, right? They sell razors. They invested in Mel Mag, which is one of the was the premier like redefining masculinity content brand. It was legit. Everyone loved it. Their numbers were off the charts. The writers were amazing. Yada yada yada. And this year, Dollar Shave Club defunded the whole content platform. And there was all this stuff in Digiday and other places that showed that even if you nail it, it doesn't mean the ROAS, the ROI makes sense. And the connection, like it just didn't sell razors. At the end of the day, the best content in this space didn't make. So even if you do all the things, it's not fully there. And so how I, (laughs) this is why I've kind of changed the scope of my business. So when O School started, especially in this route, everyone kind of assumed we would go e-com, we'd go marketplace. And there's a lot of reasons why that did not excite me. One of the the totally non-business related one is I'm not that interested in e-commerce. Like I didn't get into O school to sell things. I really got into it for education, but of course, you know, business model matters. It had, you have to like show um, where the platform is going to become sustainable. And through the pandemic, actually, I made a huge decision to completely leave e-com behind and build more of an insights company. And that's where the data comes in. And Mm -hmm. what I'm finding is that everybody needs data and everyone needs better marketing targeting. And I had a really interesting couple of months calling market research companies and advertising agencies, and they're all struggling. They're all in the dark. And some of them, just to give you a sense, Durex, I have an investor who grew Durex to be the number one sexual wellness brand. They sell 30 billion condoms, just really one of the few unicorns by in our category. Mm -hmm. And he looked at my company and he said, yo, like this is a data company. 
And I was like, really? <laughs> I, I, you know, again, we never, we've, we've always been oh. super private. We don't, we don't have, we had nothing. We were just educating people, but it's about what we know and how we can help brands like Durex learn about consumers, not in a creepy Facebook Cambridge Analytica way, because that's mm-hmm. so not even what, what we're talking about here, but literally like they have questions that they don't have answers to. Like how do gay men buy condoms differently than straight men? Let's take that basic question. Yeah. You would think Durex would know the answer to that. They don't. And we now are creating ways for companies to get the answers to those questions fast, efficiently, and wrap it in education for both the the impact that's needed. Because again, it's not just about selling more condoms. It's we need to educate consumers about these products. And that's why I think being an educational brand, we can really, you know, put our best foot forward. So cool. So do you think that because you are a a data-driven sex tech company, you know, a data company and not even just data-driven, like pure your data, like, do you think that that's going to increase your chances of potentially being a unicorn or like getting bigger? Because I know as an investor ourselves, we see, you know, sex toy companies are great, but if you buy, you know, one vibrator, like what's the recurring business model there? And so, but when I think about a data company, I think, oh my God, it almost seems infinite potential. So what's kind of your goal for the future of O School? We're launching Business Insights and we want to help every sexual wellness, femtech, and even aside beauty, fashion. I had a leading hair care company, hair color company come to me and want to know, hey, do you like divorced men feel sexier when they dye their hair? And like, needing our help to figure this out. And so I actually think that this opportunity is extremely big. Um, One of my thesis personally is that there isn't going to be a unicorn D2C brand because our space is too fragmented. It's like beauty. Like, you know, you have combination skin, someone else has oily skin, someone else has dry skin. We don't think about beauty that way because we know beauty is huge. Our space will be that big. And so instead of me trying to be this like you know, people all, all the time, I had to really struggle with standing my ground because there's such a big e-com opportunity, obviously, right? Like if you yeah. look at the market size, it's all on the commerce side. But I think what I am seeing and what I am dedicating probably the next decade of my life doing is we don't know enough. We, there's not enough information, data, but also channels, literally channels mm-hmm. to meet people where they feel safe, like I don't think the future of this business is on Facebook. It's not the right platform for sexual wellness for many reasons. And so instead of fighting Facebook, what I want to do is be the place where I can help my friends' companies. Like I have so many friends building breast pumps, erectile dysfunction products, pharmaceutical products, and all of them have marketing challenges. And I'm so excited because I get to help all of them. And so it's like, it's like, instead of going to the gold rush, like build the shovels, like I want to build data shovels. Like I want to be, I want to be able to help and aid every marketing team make these hard decisions. Do I make content? How do I make content? Where do I make content? These are huge decisions, million dollar spends, you know, in Durex, multi hundred million dollar spends over you know a few years of decisions and what I really want to do is is in a way also stop this terrible wasteful practice where every sexual wellness company is trying to do everything it's like you're not like I tell founders all the time if you think you're going to be the magical you know e-com best in products best in content best in acquisition 
that's not how other spaces work. We have to work together. And so yeah. what I really want is people to call me for educational content. And, you know, I'll stay in my lane. I'm not trying to sell products. I'm not trying to like white label something and go head to head. I think that I want more cooperation because we will all get bigger if we, if we really nail what we do best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what I find is that there's a lot of great products in the market. There's no roads to discovery. And I see all these sex educators and like influencers, but this is a great, you know, thing for, I know our audience has some people who are up and coming, but really study all the influencers out there. You don't find people with more than like a hundred thousand followers at most. Why? Mm-hmm. And it's because this space oftentimes we have to like really cater to the most sexually liberated people and everyone has the same follow it's all like the same people following each account and so what I challenge people is think beyond people who right now care about sexual wellness the majority of people are not ready for like our sexually liberated messaging and so what I (laughs) really want to aid brands and small small mid big companies is how do you meet people where you are? So I'm doing a series. I'm excited to share it with you um, on like why Victoria's Secret's dying. Why always is making these changes. These are not woke signaling progressive actions. These are companies with data who are like, oh shit, our future dollars are going to come from places and we're not prepared. And so if you're a company today and you are thinking like, we're just going to build the best brand, go after this, that's great, but you hit a ceiling. And what I want to help people do is really build with data and consumer insights and education, like from day one, because what I see is a lot of people flailing and spending and wasting a lot of dollars, casting a wide net with their, you know, masturbate everyday ads, and it's not working, like in, <laughs> at scale. <laughs> uh, Andrea, this has been seriously so much fun. You're amazing. Thank you for all that you do. You are so smart. So like, I'm just like, my mind is blown. Totally new way to think about this. You know, we have uh, sex tech episodes with like Cindy Gallup, where we talk about queefing. And then we have people like you and we talk about data and customer acquisition. And I love that sexual wellness is not just a big masturbation fest, right? It is it is wellness, it's data, it's business, it's money. And so um, this has been such a great conversation. Thanks, Brittany. Excited to see uh, all the more growth in the space. Thanks for being such an advocate and also playing a big role in it. Thank you to our sponsor, Dame Products, and thank you, listeners, for listening to my interview with Andrea Berica, the founder and CEO of O School. O School's mission is to make sure the next generation has a more trusted sex resource than we did, and they are certainly doing just that. Learn more at O School's website. That's o.school. Alrighty, Fem fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review and leave a comment, share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a FemPro member for $10 a month and get access to the Femtech Institute, which is a library of femtech and startup lessons that are sure to help you advance your company and teach you more about the industry. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech Book Club, which happens last Wednesday of every month, and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a recurring donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. 
Okay, fam fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.